All right, all right. It is great to see you this morning. We want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Everybody who's watching online, it's great that you're joining us uh, as we just remember this Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we have been studying the book of Hebrews together. And one of the themes that has been inspiring us, it's been inspiring me, is this theme of never give up. Never give up. We all get stuck. We face challenges. And in this race of life, we need the hope to persevere. Well, one of the most amazing stories of never giving up is the story of Jim Thorpe. As many of you know, Jim Thorpe is that famous uh, American Indian athlete who a hundred years ago accomplished more in sports than many athletes accomplish in a lifetime. Just was looking at some of his accomplishments. Uh, he was an Olympic champion who won gold in two events, the pentathlon and the decathlon. He played professional baseball and professional football in the same year. So, you know, before Dion and Bo, there was Jim Thorpe. And few athletes have ever been able to play two professional sports at the same time. He did that. Uh, he was the first president of the NFL. I didn't realize that. He was the first president of the NFL. He was nicknamed the legend on the all-time NFL team, was voted the greatest athlete of the 20th century, and has a city named for him just north of here, Jim Thorpe, PA. Well, it wasn't always easy. Uh, Jim Thorpe w grew up as a Native American in the early 1900s, and he faced adversity, and he knew the importance of not giving up. So take a look at this photo of Jim Thorpe. <laughs> not that one. Uh, we'll, we'll get the other one. It's coming. There it is. Thank you. Take a look at that photo of Jim Thorpe. If you look closely, uh, you can see he's wearing different socks and different shoes. Do you guys see that? He's got, he's got uh, two different shoes and two different socks on his feet. Now, this wasn't like a, a fashion statement that he was trying to make. This is the 1912 Olympic Games, and he is getting ready to represent the United States of America. A few hours before the competition, somebody actually stole his shoes. Someone took his only pair of shoes. Now, he could have been discouraged. He could have given up. He could have lost hope, but he didn't. These are the shoes that he found in a garbage can. And he pulled these two mismatched shoes out of the garbage can. If you'll notice, one of the shoes was, was so big, he had to put on an extra pair of socks. And wearing those shoes that day, he won two Olympic gold medals. That is the power of never giving up. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. I don't know what's stopping you in your race today. Stolen shoes, ill health, tripped up relationship. Maybe it's distractions on and off the field. There is a race God has called you to run. And the challenge today is to never give up, to fix 
your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith, and to run the race with perseverance that he has marked out for you. The book of Hebrews, the message of Hebrews today is never give up. So open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. I really love this passage, Hebrews 12. It's one of the most famous passages of Hebrews, but I've actually been excited about this for a different reason. Last fall in our small group, Pete Lytle challenged all of us in our small group to memorize scripture. Uh, we actually did a message in the book of Joshua on meditating on the word of God, having it on our lips. And wouldn't you know it, my small group leader challenged me and our small group to memorize scripture. And uh, we did, and at the end of the fall semester, Bonnie Kimbrough recites Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. And it was a really powerful moment for our small group. I was moved, I was inspired, and I've been looking forward to this moment and was hoping that she would come and would share this verse with us. So Bonnie, why don't you come on up? Uh, these are verses that helped Bonnie run her race and they can help you run your race today. So I just want you, as Bonnie shares, maybe just, we're not gonna put the, the words up on the screen, but just soak it in. Just, if, if you need to, close your eyes and receive this as God's word for you today. And, and she might have just a few words too, just about how God used this in her life. So, Bonnie. About a year ago, uh, after COVID interrupted our women's Bible study, I was finishing up our study in Hebrews. We were doing a uh, Bible study book by Lisa Harper. And the very end, the very last thing in the book had an article which she wrote on this passage. Um, and it was just talking about um, the Lord's chastening. That was the word it used. Uh, it uses punishment in my version, but chastening in, in hers. And um, I was very encouraged after years of my own suffering just to think that this suffering was going to actually produce a harvest of righteousness and peace and allow me to share in God's holiness. And I was very grateful um, just to think through the good gifts that the Lord gives us. So I was, I'm, I'll confess I am not a, a scripture memorizer, <laughs> but I felt compelled to memorize this. So I've been working on this for a year, you guys, okay? Um, and so I'm happy today to recite Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. 
Endure hard discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bonnie. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that speaks to us as your children. Thank you that you are producing peace in our heart, righteousness, holiness, that the beauty of Jesus Christ is being shaped into our hearts. So today we come before your word. We ask that you would speak to us in a powerful way. Speak into the challenges and difficulties we're facing today and help us to come through these as gold, purified, refined in the fire. We ask that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Bonnie. That was so powerful, and I just appreciate you sharing God's word with us. So um, we're looking today at this idea of never give up. How do we not give up in the race of faith? Got three just simple ideas from this scripture today. One is to stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Number two, endure hardship as discipline. And number three, Help each other finish the race. That's what we're looking at today. Let's start with number one. Stay focused on Jesus. You want to persevere in the race of faith? You want to not give up when things get hard? We stay focused on Jesus. Let's look at, again, look at it again together. Verse one. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So he starts here with kind of this amazing image. He says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What is this great cloud of of witnesses. Well, he says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you ask what it's therefore. Good. You guys have been uh, learning how to study the Bible. The therefore is there because it's pointing us back to Hebrews chapter 11, which is the great hall of faith. The hall of faith. Remember, it's that list of Old Testament heroes, men and women who endured, who ran the race of faith, who looked ahead, for the reward. That is the cloud of witness, witnesses today that surrounds us. It's like the, uh, you ever heard that expression, the 12th man on the field? Speaking of the crowd, you know, in the stands, 
Guys, that is our encouragement, our motivation. We have a cloud of examples and witnesses in Scripture that are inspiring us and motivating us to run the race of faith. And here we get to the greatest example of all, which is Jesus himself. So we have these witnesses, he says, and then he says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Have you ever been running and uh, gotten a little tripped up? I was running on a treadmill. One day I just about got thrown right off the back of the treadmill. I got, you know, I had my, my phone, my earbuds, and I'm running and I get tangled up in the cord. And next thing I know, my cell phone pops off, bounces off the treadmill. I'm getting tripped up and I just about went off the back with it, you know. And, and scripture is saying the same thing can happen in the race of faith. We can get entangled. So the author of Hebrews is saying... Let's throw off everything that can entangle us in the race of faith. And the number one thing he points to that can hinder us in our race is our sin. He points to our sin. I don't know if you heard about the, the teacher. She tied all of her students' shoelaces together. Uh, they, they wanted to take a class trip. Yeah, yeah, see? <laughs> I'll be here all day. <laughs> but I was thinking, that's what sin is like. Trying to run the race of faith with sin in our life, it's like tying your two shoelaces together. It entangles us. We're not free to run the race of faith when we have sin in our life. And that could be an addiction to internet pornography. That could be... Uh, an unforgiving spirit maybe there's someone in your life and you're walking with unforgiveness in your heart maybe it's excessive worry and today what the bible is saying is saying throw it off cast it away be free and run the race of faith but it's not just our sin that entangles us he goes on to say Throw off everything that can hinder you. Every weight, every chain, every obstacle, every hindrance. So get out of debt. Let go of that relationship that's holding your, you back in your walk with God. You have distractions in your life that are stealing your time, that are taking your focus on Jesus. Let it go. Run the race. Don't let anything hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. That's the power of this message today. This is the big encouragement. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God is calling us today to run the race of faith with perseverance. And he says, run the race marked out for you. Not your mom's race, not your pastor's race, not somebody's race that you saw on social media. God is not asking you to run somebody else's race today. He's saying, run the race marked out for you, let go of all distractions, let go of all hindrances, and persevere in the race God has for you today. God has a race for you. 
And he's inviting you to run. How do we do that? Verse 2, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's the point here, is that we stay focused on Jesus. That's how we persevere. Look at verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When do we give up? We give up when we lose hope. And our author today is saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus because he's your hope. He's your prize. He's your finish line. We, uh, we actually, uh, those of you who are familiar with tennis, I know we got some, some tennis players in the room today. Uh, I, I had an opportunity to play competitive tennis back in high school and middle school, and we actually have a word in tennis for players who give up. We call it tanking. What's tanking? Tanking is when a player quits trying because they've lost all hope. And today our author's saying, don't grow weary, don't lose heart, don't tank this race. Because Jesus hasn't given up on you today. For the joy set before him, for you, for your salvation, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame. He ran the race. He finished the race. It says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me ask you a question. When do you, sat, when do you sit down in a race? At the end, when the race is over and the victory's been decided. And do you understand today that Jesus sits on the throne? He has won the victory. And as long as you have Jesus today, you have hope. You have a reason to run. You have a reason today to not give up because Jesus is at the finish line. He's won the prize. We're fixing our eyes on him. Stay focused on Jesus. It's how we run the race and not give up. Number two, stay focused on Jesus. Throw off everything that could hinder you. Number two, endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. Now, I'll admit right here, this is not the fun part of the message. Okay? But this is an opportunity, just like Bonnie shared, this is an opportunity for us to have a new perspective. And I think with that, some, with some renewed strength for some of the difficulties that we're walking through today. And what Hebrews is actually challenging us to do is to have a new mindset towards some of the difficulty in our life. It's, it's a mindset that says... This is hard, but it's not random. And God is in this, and he's actually going to use what I'm growing through to grow me, make me stronger, to help me look more like Jesus. 
Guys, this is a different mindset towards our suffering. We want to endure hardship as discipline. Okay, so um, it's not just enduring hardship. So I think we all endure hardship. You look at verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So, you know, that kind of puts some perspective on what I'm going through today. Like, it's hard. Fortunately, I haven't shed any blood. But if you remember, those who received this letter, they're actually suffering for Jesus. We know some of them have had property confiscated. Some of them have been arrested. Some have been thrown in jail. So they really are at this point feeling some of the pain of following Jesus. And I don't know if you do any running. If, when I run and I start feeling the pain, first thing I want to do is stop running. And I think that's what these guys are going through. And our author is speaking to that. And he's saying, what if we could have a different mindset towards some of the difficulty we're going through? That's verse 5. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. He's actually quoting here from Proverbs chapter 3 and he's saying, He's actually encouraging us to see suffering as discipline. Look at this. Look at the next line. Keep going. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everybody undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. Great line there. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So they're saying many things here, um, but ultimately he's saying discipline is not fun. It's not going to be pleasant. Um, but discipline is a mark of sonship. Discipline is a mark of God's love for you. He's treating you as a child. And ultimately, discipline is a mark that God is working in your life to help you become more like His Son, more like Jesus. God disciplines us as He sees best. I mean, what, you know, which ones of us have never had a, a parent say, I'm doing this because I love you? You're like, yeah, it doesn't feel like that, right? It doesn't seem pleasant at the moment. I had a moment like that with Hudson yesterday. He chucked his shoe at his sister. Had to do a little discipline, and I'm like, I'm doing this because I love you, and because I don't want you to grow up into an adult who throws shoes at other people, <laughs> you know? 
discipline is a mark that God loves you, that he cares for you, that you're his child. In verse 11, our, our author uses the word training, and I actually think that's an important word. Um, discipline is training. Discipline isn't always punishment for something you've done wrong. Now, we've all done stupid things in our life, and we have reaped the consequences of those stupid things. But just because you're going through something hard, it doesn't mean that that's happening in your life because you have sinned. Sometimes God uses hardship in our life just as training, just as a way of disciplining us, helping us to grow. He stretches us. He, he helps us to, to, to shape us, to make us more like Jesus. And I think that's what a good coach does. Uh, I'm going to go back to, to tennis because just thinking about playing tennis. And uh, when I played t tennis, we had a coach, and our coach disciplined us. Uh, we would practice, and uh, we would give 100% in practice, and when practice was over, she would say, go over to that hill. And we would run countdowns. I don't know if they have things called countdowns here, but basically we'd run up and down this hill 10 times, and then we'd do 10 push-ups. And we run up and down nine times. We do nine sit-ups. And then eight times. And seven times. To the point where you're completely exhausted. And then sometimes a coach would say, all right, now I want you to do it again. And, you, and, and it was something she called conditioning. And she was making us better players. And God uses the difficulty in our life to condition us. To make us stronger to create in us character, peace, righteousness. He's shaping us through the trials and tribulations of our life. This idea of no pain, no gain. And there's a lot to be gained from the pain we walk through in our life when we take this mindset of hardship is discipline. God loves me, and he's going to use this in my life to make me holy, to produce in my life peace and righteousness. Verse 12, I, I just find this so helpful. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. If you're going through something hard today, I just want to encourage you, strengthen your arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. It just reminds us that God's purpose in discipline is to heal us and to strengthen us, not to disable us and discourage us. We endure hardship as, a, as discipline. It's a, it's a different mindset. And, uh, you know, sometimes as parents, we give our kids do-overs. Ever do that? Give your kid a do-over? Anybody uh, ever have God give you a do-over? I have. God put me in the do-over box. <laughs> Definitely has done that in my life. I was thinking about years ago, uh, walking through a difficult experience and it was painful and maybe I didn't respond as well as I should have and then just last year I found myself in the exact same situation, exact same painful experience, just different people. Like, okay, I get it. This is a do-over. And, uh, and I think I passed the test. And it was amazing to hear Angie say, Brian, I can't believe how much you've grown through these experiences and how God has used this in your life. And that's our hope 
as believers is that God loves us and he's working in our lives through these experiences. So I just want to ask you today, how about you today? Where are you hurting? What challenge are you going through? And I just want to tell you today, child of God, it's not easy, but God is going to meet you in this experience because God loves you and he is disciplining you for the race of faith. Endure hardship as discipline. Focus on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Last one. We help each other finish the race. And we see this in our last paragraph today. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So what's the outcome of God's discipline in our life? He mentioned peace before. Um, and we see that here. You know, one of the outcomes of God's discipline in our life is that we're going to love people better. He says, make every effort to live at peace with people. Discipline teaches us how to live at peace with people, how to love our neighbors. Uh, another passage in Romans says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's not just that. He says, be holy, for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And one of the purposes of God's discipline in our life as we run this race of faith is he's making us holy. He's producing in our heart a holy passion for the Lord. It's this great picture of love God, love people. We have it up on our banner there, up, love God, out, love people, love our neighbors. And what I want to say today is we can't do the up and we can't do the out without having the in. We need one another. We help each other run this race of faith. You were not made to run the race of faith alone. The Christian life is a team sport. We help each other run the race of faith. Look at verse 15. How do we support one another? This is a great picture here. Verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. I, I, let me ask you, when, when the author says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, who's he talking to? The pastor. The pastor should see to it. Of course. No, he's talking to all of us, isn't it? Isn't he? Hey, Christian brothers and sisters, see to it that no one fall short of the grace of God. We help each other run this race of faith. He goes on, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We'll talk about that. See to it that no one's sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. We're helping each other. We're not running alone. We have a team who's running with us. He mentioned this, this bitter root. What's the root of bitterness? 
It's actually very interesting. It takes us back to Deuteronomy, chapter 29, 18. And look at this. Look how this connects with the book of Hebrews. Deuteronomy 2019, this is what it says. Make sure there is no man or woman. Isn't that very similar language? Make sure. It's kind of this like, let us, let's do this together. Make sure, brothers and sisters, there's no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. What's the root of bitterness? It's a heart that turns away from the living God. And our author today is saying, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of us has a heart today that is turning away from the living God. Don't be like Esau, who forsook God's promise for tomorrow for the pleasure of today. Let's help each other. Let's work together. Let's run that race of faith. Let's support one another. We talked about Jim Thorpe, the 1912 Olympic Games. I want to fast forward now to 2016, to the Olympic Games in Rio, and, uh, and look at the uh, women's 5,000-meter race. And uh, there was a moment in that race. There were two runners, Abby, D'Agostino and Nikki Hamblin. These two athletes were racing down the track. They were, you know, giving everything they had. Women's 5,000 meter race. They have five laps left to go. And the two runners clip heels. And they trip and they tumble to the ground. And of course, you know, that, that happens in races as people are running. But, but that wasn't the real story. The real story is what happens next. This is, this is what the New York Times wrote about this moment. New Zealander runner Nikki Hamblin was lying on the track, dazed after a heavy fall. And remember, this is the Olympics, with her hope of an Olympic medal seemingly over. Hamblin fell heavy on her right shoulder. D'Agostino got up, but Hamblin was just lying there. She appeared to be crying. Instead of running in pursuit of the others, D'Agostino crouched down and put her hand on the New Zealander's shoulder and with a quiet voice in her ear said, Get up. We have to finish this. And Nikki Hamblin was like, Yeah, you know what? You're right. This is the Olympic Games. We have to finish this. And together, they finished the race. You and I are running the race of our lives. The Olympic Games, that seems big. The race we're in today is even bigger than the Olympics. And we got to be the ones, church family, who tap each other on the shoulder and say, this is the race of faith. We are going to finish this race. Don't give up. We help each other run the race. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We stay focused on him. We live with a different mindset. These hard things we're going through, they are not random, but they are moments where we get to experience the powerful love 
of God moving in our hearts, moving in our lives, making us more like Christ. Don't give up the race. And you know who never gave up? Jesus never gave up. He never gave up on you. He never gave up on me. Hebrews says, consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That we have a moment to do that right now. As we come to the table, as we prepare to, le- to receive the Lord's Supper. You know, here we are on a, on a weekend of remembrance. We remember those who gave their lives defending our freedom on Memorial Day weekend. They endured, they suffered, they lost their lives. And there's no greater example of that today than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race for me and for you. And today, he sits in victory. The medal is around his neck. And he's waiting there at the finish line for you and me today. And if we'll fix our eyes on him, we will not grow weary. We will not lose heart. But we will have the hope to run the race that we call life.